What's up, guys? Welcome in to another edition of the Glory UGA Podcast. I'm Tyler, and I'm joined by my co-host Curtis, as always, here on the other end of the line. You can follow the show and interact with us on Twitter, at Glory underscore UGA. We really do love to get your thoughts on the show and the topics we discuss, so seriously, guys, feel free to let us know what you think. Whether you agree or disagree, we'd just love to get your thoughts. Uh, you can also email us those thoughts, so that's a little easier for you, to GloryUGAPodcast at gmail.com. Obviously, all of you out there are listening to us on some podcasting platform or another, but if you're new to the show, just a heads up that you can find the show on, of course, Dog Sports Radio, but also iTunes, SoundCloud, TuneIn, Stitcher, uh, all of those, if any of them might be easier for you to use to access the show, so they are all available for you there. Okay, guys, look, we know all of you out there, or I will at least venture to say the vast majority of you out there are football fans first and foremost. And trust me, guys, we are too. So we have plenty of football talk coming up for you here momentarily as we're going to take a look at the Vegas over-under window lines that were released late last week. Should be fun. But first, we're going to start today's show with just a little bit of love for our men's tennis team. Now, before you turn us off or fast-forward to the football stuff, just give the tennis talk a chance, please. I know college tennis does not move the needle like football and a few other sports do, but the fact is that our tennis program is elite, and they played lights out over the course of the last week or so in the NCAA tournament. We did end up falling short on Monday in the Final Four in a match that came down to the very last score after a lengthy rain delay, much like we had on Saturday night, although Saturday was awesome coming back around 11.30 to finish that match. It was, it was a pretty cool environment. But uh, regardless, the Final Four berth is an accomplishment for any program. But when you also factor in the controversy that's been swirling around the program with the ongoing prescription drug investigation that's centered on assistant coach Bo Hodge and the fact that we had to knock off the number four and number five teams in the country, upset them, uh, which and those were the traditional powers USC and UCLA out there on the West Coast to actually get to the Final Four, it becomes even more impressive. It, it really is. What these guys are able to do Honestly, I'll be real, guys. Coming into the tournament, uh, I, I'm always there behind my guys supporting them. But I I didn't see a run to the Final Four in this team because we're so young. Uh, but I want to give them credit. I, I cannot be more proud of us. Even if they had won the tournament, the, the fight, the heart, the guts that this team showed, never giving in. These guys clearly do not know what it means to quit. They are grinders. They are fighters. And they take on the personality of their head coach, Manny Diaz, who is... Just he's a legend, guys. He he's the greatest of all time. He's the best there is, and he showed that yet again with how he was able to hold this team together and keep them focused amidst all the controversy and negative thoughts surrounding the program. It's just it's incredibly impressive, um, and it, it was a great time in Athens. It was an awesome weekend. Uh, we had the Sweet Sixteen match against USC on Thursday. Then on Saturday we had the Elite A match against UCLA. That was supposed to start at four. Did uh, it was super hot. It hadn't been that hot in a long time sitting out there in the sun, but it was awesome. Totally worth it. And then the rain started coming around six fifteen, six thirty. Uh, we ran to the indoor court. Thought, well, thought they might be moving indoors. Did not end up happening that way because you know, it's the outdoor season. We want to finish outdoors, right? Well, after um, we, we waited until I don't know about seven forty-five, almost eight o'clock. We realized uh, they probably weren't going to be playing the match indoors. Who knew what was going to happen? So we went to get some dinner. Finally, we keep following on Twitter. Finally get word that the match is going to restart about 11 o'clock. It actually kicked off again after 11 o'clock. So we all rushed back down uh, to the courts. Didn't have as big of a crowd uh, to finish the match. But still, because it was about 11, 11.30, it was a pretty awesome crowd and a loud, raucous crowd. Actually, so raucous that and some people might have... Uh, partaking in a beverage or two in the uh, interim there between the in, in the midst of the delays because we did uh, get a point penalty for being a little too uh, too loud and rowdy there. But it's all good. We ended up winning, so it all worked out. But it, it was a really, really cool environment, really awesome. So uh, I just want to give the team some props and just uh, let everyone out there know this team, uh, they're the real deal. And if you haven't come out to check them out, please, at some point in the near future, or I guess next year, give them a chance. Come on, check them out and support this team. They definitely deserve it. Curtis, you were actually up there in Athens with me almost all weekend, uh, taking in. This was your first NCAA tennis tournament. You used to be in Athens pretty much every year, and now it's gone. It's every couple years, and now we don't know when it's going to be back um, after this time around. We know at least for the next five years it won't be in Athens. But this was your first time taking in the NCAA tournament, tennis tournament in Athens. So, Kurt, 
What was your impression of the event as a whole? You know, it's a great experience. I mean, you really can see a lot of players from a lot of different schools. I think the biggest thing is, you know, um, it's, I think it, the meaning of it, it's kind of like, you know, look at other sports and it gets to the playoffs and everything. You know, there's very little margin for error, so it's a lot of excitement, you know, a lot of emotions from the players and fans. Yeah, I mean, dude, you, I mean, look, I'm sure you, you know, I'm probably admitting it, but you were definitely getting into it, right? Yeah. I mean, and you, you, I know you've been to a couple college tennis matches before, but you ha- I mean, not a ton, uh, but even someone like you who's not been to every single match, just been to a couple, I mean, you were into it. I mean, you were on the edge of your seat like, like any football and any basketball game, really, right? Yeah, I mean, it, I just mean the stakes it's, it's, rough, it. it's rough to say, but it's probably the, the most winning sport Georgia has right now. And you can actually tell. I mean, I, I've always said, I mean, I think it's our most consistently successful program on campus. Doesn't I mean, mean you, we're go always to baseball, win. You, you go to a baseball game, you sit there, all right, we're losing, you know, yeah, yeah, basketball, you know, it's not much excitement, but there's more more excitement at tennis matches than there are those two sports. I, I 100% agree with you. I mean, and look, the NCAA tournament's a little different. The stakes are so high there. But uh, even just your regular season match, I enjoy it far more, really, than any other sport on campus outside of football. I mean, football, head and shoulders above, is, is by far my favorite sport. I mean, that's my passion in life, really. But uh, I love college tennis. And, I, and, and the fact that we're good, you know, as consistently as we are, also helps matters. But it, it's a great environment. Even a regular season match is a great environment. But when you get into the, the playoff situation here, which is what the NCAA tournament is, especially when you're at home, I mean, the pace is packed. It's absolutely bad. You got to get there early if you want to get a good seat. I mean, it, it's a pretty raucous crowd. I would say more so than what you see in baseball, definitely, and certainly in in some cases more so than what you see at basketball. So I I think it's an awesome event. It really is. And if you guys haven't had a chance to make it out there, I it, I don't want at least for the five years we won't have the tournament. But uh, it, when it does come back, if it does come back, or even if it's just for a regular season match, I. I know, I know I've said this before, but I just strongly encourage you guys, if you haven't had a chance to, to make it out to a match because you'll definitely be hooked. I, it just, I, I find it hard to believe that you wouldn't be. Uh, and the last thing I want to mention here on the tennis front, guys, is that this group has a very good chance to be right back in the thick of things again next year. Uh, and look, we've fallen short in the Final Four in consecutive years, but I think next year, or one of these next coming years, we could very well be poised to break through that barrier and get beyond the Final Four. We were very young this year. Uh, we didn't have a single senior on our roster. In fact, five out of six of the guys in our regular singles and doubles lineups were freshmen or sophomores this year. Uh, in fact, our number one singles player, in Nathan Pongwith, was a freshman. Uh, and on top of that, Paul Oosterbond, who as a sophomore was a rock for us uh, on court three in singles, but he missed the vast majority of his junior year with wrist and then later some elbow injuries. He'll also be back next year, and he's a guy who, coming into this year, I thought would be a legitimate contender to be our number one singles player. So getting him back healthy will be a huge boost for this team. So if you think about it, and I know every season is its own beast, uh, but on the surface at least, after making it to the Final Four with that young of a roster that was missing one of his most talented pieces most of the season, it is really exciting to think about what we'll be able to accomplish in the next four or in the next few years, especially when you still have, you know, as I've always said, the legendary Manny Diaz leading the charge. Uh, the future is very, very bright. All right, now let's move on to what most of you tuned in to listen to today, and that is some college football win totals. I told you guys last week that I am a total degenerate when it comes to following the Vegas lines. I'm not so much a big gambler because I don't have the kind of cash that you can just kind of throw around, uh, but I'm fascinated by the handicapping ability of most of these sports books, and I always love looking at and debating these preseason win total over and unders, and uh, we're going to start with the good guys today. So th- these numbers are according to Vegas Sportsbook Operator CG Technology. They came out late last week, actually just after we recorded uh, our show on Thursday when I saw them. Uh, but CG Technology in Vegas, they have us pegged at eight wins as our over-under win total number. So, Kurt, I think this one is obvious, but when you're looking at that number, eight wins, are you taking the over or the under for us this year? I would go over. I see, honestly, at worst for us a 9-3 and three season. I Dude, I agree. I To me, like this is – I don't it's not insulting, but this is an easy – this is easy money, right? 
Um, I think it is. I mean, I think it's based off a little bit of last year, but I think it really is. I mean, we have a tough, 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 tough road games. But other than that, I mean, and I, I don't think they take into account how weak the East is. Well, it doesn't seem like that. I mean, honestly, I was surprised. When we, one of the shows we did last week, we were talking about national championship odds. Vegas had really, uh, Bovada. Uh, it was an online gaming site. I had released some uh, over-under – or not over-under. They released their uh, national championship odds. And we had the – they gave us the eighth best national championship odds out there in the country, tied with LSU. And I know both odds are different than CG technology, but usually these lines are pretty similar across the board. And when I saw us at eight wins as our over-under, that just didn't seem to align with me with that idea that we, were, we had the eight best odds to win the national championship. It just that they don't seem to go together. They seem somewhat mutually exclusive there. I think you're right. I think you know, on one end with the national championship odds, they did factor in the SCEs, but maybe not so much when you're looking at these over unders here from CG Technology. Um, now, when you're looking at the schedule, how do you break? Like when you're looking at these over unders and these these win total numbers, how do you go about? Like what are you factoring in when you're deciding to go over or under on a team's win total? Um, my biggest thing is, you know, the amount of winnable games. That's where I start. Yeah. That's exactly uh, where I start. To, like, I, I break it down to basically like four different categories I want, I, when I'm looking at their schedule. I, first, I have what I call the gimme wins, which are the baby seal clubbing games where you are playing a lower-level team. These are the games that you should never, under any circumstances, possibly lose. And these are against teams that shouldn't even be on the same field as you. Uh, the next, the next category I got is what I call likely wins. Uh, these are games that you should win because you are the more talented team, and if both teams play their best game, you should nine out of ten times come out on top. Doesn't mean you can't lose the game. It just means that you are the more talented team and have no business losing. Example for us this year might be Kentucky at home. I'm not saying we're for sure 100% going to be Kentucky. I'm just saying that we're the more talented team and should be Kentucky based on talent level and where the game is played. doesn't mean we can't lose. just means that we shouldn't lose. That's a likely win. Uh, the next category would be the likely losses, which is basically the inverse of likely wins. These are the games where you will likely be the underdog and will have to pull a fairly big upset to get the win. An example here would be like Missouri going to Alabama. If you're Missouri and Alabama's on your schedule, that's going to be a likely loss because you're going to be a pretty heavy underdog going into that game and you'd have to pull a fairly big upset to get the win. And then the last category, this is where really the win totals often come down to this last category, is uh, the toss-ups. And these are obviously the games that are just too close to call, too close to pick in the preseason without more information, without actually seeing these teams on the field. And typically when calculating win totals, what I do is I just split the difference between toss-up games. Uh, for instance, if I categorize a team as having four toss-up games in my mind that could go either way, I'll just split the difference and say, okay, they'll win two and they'll lose two. I'll give them half. Um, so that's kind of how I'm looking at each schedule as I'm trying to calculate the win totals, whether I'm going to go over or under what Vegas has set as a team's particular win total. So when I'm looking at our schedule, who would you say would be our gimme wins? How many gimme wins do we have on our schedule that, we, that you're just right now counting as wins? Um, Is Appalachian State one? Yeah, I think that... See, I, know, I count that. I don't know if I count that. I don't think they're going to jump up on people like they did last year with Tennessee because I think Kirby, especially when you have a whole offseason, he'll be sitting there just preaching that. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I can't really disagree with you too much on that. I, but I, I think Appalachian State's a little bit better than a gimme win, um, we sh- I think it's more of a likely win. A game that we absolutely should win. There's no way we should lose that game. But if we come out flat, we don't have ourselves prepared for looking ahead of Notre Dame, they could jump up. But I think you're right in saying that Kirby's going to have our guys prepare, especially after what they did to Tennessee to open the season last year, pushing them into overtime. Um, Notre Dame, gimme win? Nah. No. Nah. I-, I would say Samford for sure is a gimme win. Yeah. Uh, what else I'm looking at here? Samford. Uh, I think I'm, honestly that's the only true gimme win. Yeah, those are the true gimme wins. Yeah, and then for likely wins, I have Appalachian State list there, but I could see an argument for them being a gimme. Uh, and then I have on top of Appalachian State and Sanford, I got Mississippi, or Mississippi State at home at Vandy, Missouri, South Carolina, Kentucky, and Tech. Do you have any disagreement with any of those being on the likely win category? No. 
All right, so that puts us, what, seven wins right there. Let me make sure that's right. One, two, three, four, five, six. That's seven wins right there that they're either gimme wins or likely wins, right? And I think we both agree there. Do we, Here's the here's what, what it comes down to for me. If you look at our schedule, are there any guaranteed losses on that schedule where you look at it and say, yep, I'm going ahead and chopping no, it up as a see, loss? See, that's the thing. You know, before you could possibly see that, I don't truly see any guaranteed losses. I see some tough road games at Tennessee and Auburn. Yeah. But I wouldn't throw those up as guaranteed losses. That's exactly where I say, look, guys, I'm not sitting here advocating the idea that we're going to go undefeated. I am not saying that at all. I don't think that's likely at all. I What I'm saying is I just don't see, when I'm looking at our schedule, I do not see any games that stand out to me and say, yep, there's no way we're winning that game. Right? I don't see an Alabama or a Florida State or something like that. I don't see those games. Yes, ten- at Tennessee is going to be a tough game. Yes, at Auburn will probably be a tough game. Florida and Jacksonville, we know the, the record. that Those are going to be tough games. But I would say more so those are, are toss-up games as opposed to sh- definite losses, right? Yeah. Yeah, so that what it comes down to that seven wins for us, no definite losses on the schedule. and that. So tell me if you disagree with any of these. For our toss-ups, I have at Notre Dame. Which I struggle with. I think we are better than Notre Dame, and we should beat them. But the fact that it's early in the season, it's on the road, I'm still going to put that in the toss-up category. I really do like our chances in that game. I do think we are the more talented football team, uh, especially with them working in a new quarterback in Brandon Wimbush, although he was a highly touted guy coming out of high school, and he's got a little bit of experience under his belt. But the fact is he hasn't ever started a game. Uh, we should be able to run all over that football team. They were 72nd nationally in rush defense, giving up over 180 yards a game last year. But it is at Notre Dame uh, in a big-time environment. So it'll be at night. So I'm not quite ready to put that in the likely win category. I'm still going to keep it as a toss-up because it's on the road. If it was at home... I might lean towards the, more so in the likely win category based on what they what they're returning, but by virtue of the fact that it's in Notre, at Notre Dame in South Bend, I'm gonna keep that as a toss up for now. So I've got at Notre Dame, at Tennessee, Florida, and at Auburn as four games that could go either way. So if we stick to my my rule of thumb here, which which is certainly not scientific anyway, but you know it works for me usually when when doing these numbers. If I stick to my rule of thumb of splitting those toss up games. That puts us at nine wins, right? At yeah. least nine wins. So that's seven gimme or combined gimme likely wins, and then two out of four of at Notre Dame, at Tennessee, Florida, and then at Auburn. So I, I think we're looking at at least nine wins. I really do. I think we're looking at at least nine wins this year. And if we don't get to that point, I think Kirby's going to have some answering to do. So I'm. I think this is easy money. I definitely look at us and take the over uh, with the eight win mark there. And I'm actually expecting us to be more around the 10 winning category. I really think we have the ability to win three out of four of those toss-up games. All right, let's move on to another team here. Uh, and let's uh, let's go over to Auburn. There's another team that kind of stood out to me. I don't want to say at, I don't think this is as easy money as, as our pick was, but I, I think there's a fair argument made here that this could be easy money as well. So looking at Auburn's schedule. This is a team that I think has a chance to really take a step forward offensively with new quarterback Jarrett Stidham under center if, and it's a big if, if Gus Malzahn can kind of keep his fingers off the offense and really just let new offense coordinator Chip Lindsey game plan and call a game, I think they will take a fairly big step forward offensively. you got Cam Petway coming back if he can stay healthy. If he stays healthy, they're going to be very good offensive. They were good offensively last year, even with a disaster of a situation at quarterback all season. When Petway was healthy, they were still good because he was just a battering ram, a force offensive. They just could not bring the guy down. And if you bring him back healthy and add a healthy Jarrett Stidham into the equation, who I know a lot of people are, are wanting to say that, well, there's a kind of a mixed background. Either you think that he's going to be a Heisman Trophy candidate, or you think he's the next Jeremy Johnson who is really hyped up and found to be a complete dud. I tend to think that... Stidham is going to be much better than Jeremy Johnson uh, because although he only has two starts under his belt, he's he show he has shown more to this point than Jeremy Johnson ever had when he was taking over the job. And you also got to factor in this in this situation. This is it seems to be Gus Malzahn taking his hands off the steering wheel a little bit and letting Chip Lindsay go to work with Gus Malzahn's traditional offense. You kind of had to have a mobile quarterback for it to truly function at its optimal level. And Jeremy Johnson wasn't that. That's why that offense didn't work. He, he was mobile-ish, but he wasn't a Nick Marshall or a Cam Newton-type uh, quarterback with being able to threaten you with his legs like those two guys did. So that's why they're often struggled with him under center. Now with Chip Lindsey, 
he's shown the ability in different places. Only he, he does have a background working with Gus Malzahn. He's also branched out on his own, and he can work with quarterbacks who can be more pocket patchers like Stidham. Now, Stidham can run, too, but he's not a true dual-threat guy, but he is mobile enough. Uh, but I, I do like what I've seen from him in the past. He's an accurate passer, an intelligent quarterback back there. So I think they're going to take a step forward offensively. They have some weapons. They've been stacking receivers for years. Uh, they just haven't really had a guy to get the ball to them for the past couple of years. Guys like Kyle Davis, uh, Nate Craig Myers, another guy, Darius Slayton, who we once had committed, a GAC. So I think they'll be better offensively. And I know they lost some pieces defensively with Carl Lawson, Montrevious Adams up front in particular. Uh, but I actually think they have some pieces to work with. You know, Marlon Davis, we talked about last week, is a guy that had a really big freshman year for them. I'll be interested to see what he can do with all the attention. That's going to be focused on him with the uh, absence of Adams and Lawson. Teams want to focus on those guys as much as they can focus more on Davidson. They have a pretty good linebacking crew there. Uh, Desha- Deshaun Davis is a good backer. Carlton Davis is a good DB. You got Trey, they got both safeties back. Trey Matthews, whatever you think about him, mean, I don't think Trey Matthews is anything to write home about. But he's a, a physical veteran presence there. So I think they'll be good defensively as well. Their over under win totals put at eight. So are you going over or under eight wins for Auburn? Over. Under. Wait, this has Auburn. Auburn. They have Clemson at home, correct? No, uh, they're at Clemson this year. Really? Okay. Yeah. Well, um, eight. I mean, it's the SEC West plus at Clemson. On the surface, you can see, uh, but I only really right away see four, four easy wins. Yeah, if you're looking at it for me, here's what I have them listed at. I've got gimme wins over Georgia Southern, Mercer, and Louisiana Monroe. Okay, right. And then yeah. I've got likely wins. These are teams that they should beat, uh, barring some crazy things happening. Uh, and that would be at Missouri and Mississippi State at home. I have those likely wins. So for me, I got five combined games where they should definitely win those games. As far and, as yeah, I, I think one thing people aren't going to take into account is yes, they have a bye week after the second one, but those three straight road games then coming home against us. Yeah, it's that's a really tough slate there. Yeah, you got at Arkansas, then a bye week at A and M, and then home with us. And actually, that's three. Let's go even earlier than that. At LSU, at Arkansas, bye week at Texas A and M, and then they come home to play us. So, I mean, I don't know. Do you do you subscribe to the body blow theory? Where you just you I really know. do, especially the LSU. Arkansas is a very physical team, and A and M's just uh, you know they played well there recently, but I still think it's a difficult. Yeah, I mean that's that the body blow theory is that there's just only so many blows you can take before you know you're just you're beat and you're just out. By the time we get them late in the season, coming off that slate, there that's tough. That's tough. Um, but if you're looking at their schedule and looking at up and down at games that you would say, man, that's definitely a loss. I see one of those. I only see one. I see Bama as the only game on Auburn's schedule. I would say, yep, that's a loss. Right, I mean, do you, is anything is anything else down to you? Like, is at LSU a, a definite loss for you for Auburn this year? Um, because I considered it. Because that's a tough. I mean, that, that, look, that game's probably going to be at night unless it's the three thirty game at Tiger Stadium. Likely going to be a loss, but I wouldn't say yeah. Right, exactly. So I, the only and and Bama, I don't even know. Are, would you say Bama's a definite loss for them? No, because it's a home game. True. Yeah, it's a home game. I I, I went back and forth. I almost. Gave them no definite losses too, but right now I'm going to stick with Bama. I just think they're Alabama. I know it's at Auburn, but Alabama is just more talented than them still by by a fairly wide margin, like they are every other team in the SEC. Um, but toss ups. I mean, look, I got at Clemson, Ole Miss at home, at LSU, at Arkansas, at A and M, and then us. So that's what one, two, three, four, five, six toss up games. So if we split that. That's three right there, right? That's at least three wins out of those tosses. We're, I'm going to give them that. On top of the five uh, wins that we already talked about, it's Georgia Southern, Mercer, Louisiana Monroe, at Missouri, Mississippi State. I think that's. I think they're at least an eight-win team. So the question becomes, do you think they're more likely to get one over that and hit the nine or one under at seven? So basically, do you think they're more likely to win four of those six toss-ups or only two of those six toss-ups? I think two of the six. You think they're more likely to go on that end? Yeah. Interesting. I'm going to disagree with you a little bit there. I'm going to go over on this. Because if you look at those toss-ups, at Clemson, 
Okay, yeah, on the surface, that's a really tough game. Clemson's a it's it's a toughish place to play. Although I'll say when I was there last uh, last time we were there, what was that? Two thousand fourteen, I want to say right fourteen. We'll go with that. No, thirteen. Thirteen. Yeah, two thousand thirteen yeah. when we were there. I don't know, man. Maybe I built up my mind. It, it was underwhelming to me. I mean, it was a good environment, but it was not this hellaciously tough environment playing like it's made out to be. You know, Death Valley and whatnot. I, I think they can beat Clemson. I'm not going to sit here and say they will for sure, but what is Clemson doing at quarterback? We don't know. There's a really good chance they'll be starting a true freshman at quarterback in, in his first big-time moment uh, on the college stage. They lose a ton out wide. and They do have some guys coming back with Ray Ray McLeod uh, and Deion Kane, some guys like that, but you lose your starting running back. You lose your two leading rush. We talked about these, this team last year. There's a lot of guys defensively. They have recruited well. You have Christian Wilkins uh, in uh, on the defensive line. You have Dexter Lawrence, the defensive line also. There's talent there. But Clemson hasn't recruited any better than Auburn has over the past four to five years. They haven't. If you look at the numbers, they absolutely have not recruited any better than Auburn has over the last four to five years. They just happen to have Deshaun Watson, who was a generational quarterback for them. Kind of a transcendent talent there that fit exactly what they wanted to do. So without him there, I think Auburn has a really good chance to win this game. I know it's on the road, but I wouldn't count Auburn out there. Uh, I think they'll probably beat Ole Miss at home, right? I, I would say, if I had to guess right now, I'd say they beat Ole Miss. At LSU, anytime you go to LSU and Baton Rouge, that's going to be a tough game. But I I don't think LSU has a ton coming back. I, I'm really not super high on LSU. I, Denny Atling at quarterback's okay. I guess he's good enough. Darius Geis is a flat-out stud at running back, no doubt. We talked about last week how there's not much depth behind him right now. So while he's a really good back, I don't know if they're better off there because last year they had him and Fournette, at least when Fournette was healthy. Receiver, they lost pretty much everybody except for DJ Shark. Lost a ton defensively. Arden Key should be coming back, but he hasn't been with the team for a while. I don't think they're a great team, or really any better than Auburn. I think they should probably beat Arkansas, even though it's on the road. I think they should beat A&M on the road. I, I know A&M's got, they've recruited fairly well over the past couple years, but they're going to be starting a young quarterback, whether it's a redshirt freshman in, uh, next Darkle or Kellen Mond is a true freshman. And then you got us at the end of the season, and we've had their number over the past couple years. I mean, we basically dominated Auburn like Florida's dominated us over the past decade. So I would lean more towards them maybe getting, oh, I don't know, man. See, I think eight is good for them, like right at eight. But I'm going to go with the over on this one. I'm going to go with the over. I think they can get the Clemson win. I think they can get Ole Miss, Arkansas, and A&M. I think they can. I think they can hit that nine-win mark there. We're losses to Bama. Us, hopefully, we'll go with that and at LSU. All right, let's move on to Florida here, a little SEC East conversation with the next couple of teams. Florida is also sitting at eight. So they basically gave them the exact same odds as us in terms of their win total. So Florida's sitting there at an eight number. So are you going over or under eight wins for Florida? And let's go up and down their schedule here. Let's. They're what gimme wins do you see on Florida's schedule? I mean, you've got uh, Northern, Northern, whatever that is. Yeah, was it Northern Colorado they're playing? Yeah, Northern yeah. Colorado Bears, whatever Northern Colorado Bears. In UAB. Yeah, I think that's that's what I've got for them. Gimme wins, games they absolutely should win. It's just a you roll your hat out there and pretty much win the game. Yeah, Northern Colorado and UAB. Now likely wins teams that they should be. I've got at Kentucky. I mean, what they've won. I think 30 straight against Kentucky. Now, maybe this is a year that streak is broken. Streaks, that's what they're made for. They'll be broken at some point. But I'm not going to sit here and say that's going to happen right now. I'm not going to call that shot. Uh, Vandy at home, they should win. And probably at Missouri, right? Yeah. So there's five wins uh, between Northern Colorado, UAB, Kentucky, Vandy, Missouri. Guaranteed losses. Uh, I went back and forth on this one because I don't – it's hard for me to say that Florida State is a guaranteed loss for Florida. But – I'm leaning that way because, I mean, Florida State's outscored Florida the past two years by a combined total of 58 to 15. Florida State's just better than Florida right now. They just, they are. And that doesn't mean Florida can't jump up and win that game. Would you count Florida State as a guaranteed loss for them at this point? Yeah. Yeah. And then, so that me, now, let me ask you about this one. I think this could be a swing game for them. Michigan. Michigan to open this season in a neutral site in Arlington, Texas. How do you look? Is that a toss-up? Is that a loss? I see it as a toss-up because Michigan lost does so many players. Yeah, I mean, you got five returning stars from Michigan. Now, one of those is your quarterback. Great. But, I mean, there's basically nothing around him coming back. Uh, and you've got, of course, you got Jim Harbaugh. I mean, the Jim Harbaugh effect. Although, 
I mean, in his first two years, despite all the hubbub about him, he hasn't finished better than third in his own division. So he's a good coach, don't get me wrong, but I don't think he's a guy that you can just say every single year his team's going to be great just based on his name alone. So I got Michigan as a toss-up, Tennessee at home is a toss-up, LSU at home is a toss-up. I mean, they should supposed to technically be playing at LSU because of the whole cancellation last year uh, and that whole controversy. They end up getting LSU at home this year and next year. And then they've got uh, Texas A&M at home, us on a neutral site. And then I've also got at South Carolina as a toss-up. Would you – look at that, at that South Carolina game on the road. Is that a – would you go more towards that being a toss-up or a likely win for Florida? I think it's a toss-up, the fact that it's later in the season. Yeah, it's later in the season, and it's at South Carolina. And, that, and that's a tough environment. And, you know, you, you the must-champ factor there as well. So I'm going to go – they probably – it's close to being a likely win, but I still think there's a really good chance South Carolina can pull that upset towards the end of the year. So if we go with our with our strategy here, we've got, what, five toss-up games? One, two, three. No, we got six toss-up games. So we had five definite wins. If we split the difference of the toss-up games, that puts them at eight on the dot. But we got to choose over or under. So again, it kind of comes back down to the same thing that we were looking at with Auburn. Are they more likely to win four out of those six toss-up games, or are they more likely to only win two out of those six? I think more than likely two out of six. Michigan. You look at what they have. I mean, they've lost a lot of weapons, especially defensively. I think they have some weapons coming back offensively. I think offensively they, they are underrated in some of the, the weapons they have out oh, wide. Yeah. I think offensively they're a little underrated, but I think defense is what has been their bread and butter, and I still don't, they still have a huge question mark at quarterback. Yeah, that's the thing. Quarterback, everything else is ready to go offensively. They have a, a fairly good offensive and a good-ish offensive line. You got Antonio Callaway out wide. You got Brandon Powell, who's a really good, dependable second option. They're kind of working in the slot, kind of an Isaiah McKenzie type receiver out there in the slot. Tyree Cleveland was the true freshman that came on last year. He averaged over 20, like 21 yards a catch, so he's making big plays there. DeAndre Goolsby, I really like him at tight end. Or I shouldn't say I like him. I think he's a very good tight end. I respect him a lot. And Jordan Scarlett, I don't think he's a true feature SEC back. He's, he's, a, pretty, he's a pretty damn good back. So I think they have some weapons there offensively, more so than they have had in recent years. But that quarterback situation is something to be concerned about. I don't know what what is probably going to be Felipe Franks, maybe. But what did they have in him? I, I don't really know if I'm ready to say what they have in him yet. Yeah, we saw him in the spring game, but uh, it's a spring game. How much can you take from that? Especially when they're not always going against the number. He wasn't always going against the number the number one defense. Then defensively, which is what they've kind of hung their hat on, like you mentioned. Dude, they're losing so much. They're losing a ton. Losing Caleb Brantley. You're losing Brian Cox. You're losing both inside linebackers. You're losing both corners who were raved about as, as elite shutdown corners and Quincy Wilson and, and Tease Tabor. You're losing your your top safety. You're losing a ton of that defense. And yeah, they're Florida. They've recruited pretty well, but not like they were under under um, Will Muschamp. They're just, they just haven't recruited that way. So there's going to be a talent drop defensively. So, yeah, I don't know, man. Uh, I I think they're going to beat Michigan to open the season. Do you? I really do. I, I think, think so, I too. think they're going to beat Michigan. I, I really believe that. I, I kind of hope they don't because I, I don't like either team, but I'd rather Florida lose. I'm, I'm not in this whole conference pride thing. If Florida wins, it's not good for us. Florida needs to lose every game. I hate them. Uh, so I think they, I, but I do think they beat Michigan. I think they beat Tennessee at home. I think they beat Texas A&M at home, right? That's three right there. And then at South Carolina, although I think that's a tough game, a sneaky tough game for them, because South Carolina does have weapons offensively, and they are going to score. Jake Bentley is a great fit for that system. Uh, they have some dangerous weapons out wide, and Debo Samuel, uh, Brian Edwards was a freshman last year, made some plays. Hayden Hurst, I think, is the best tight end in the league. Rico Dowdell came on uh, late in the season after missing the first half of the season. With an injury, but he really showed uh, some ability. And you also got AJ Turner, who was a star for the first half of the season. He was a young guy as well. They have some really good young talent. Their offensive line was a disaster last year. As bad as our offensive line was last year, this is really hard to believe. But the South Carolina offensive line was probably worse. Um, but outside the offensive line, in terms of playmakers out there, out wide and in the backfield, they've got plenty of them. They're going to score. So that's a sneaky tough game for Florida on the road late in the year. I would still probably, at this point, until I see teams on the field, I would preseason lean Florida's direction there on the road. Tough game, but I would say Florida's probably more likely to win that game than lose, even though I consider it a toss-up. So I would probably lean towards the over there and put them at nine wins. I, I don't. I think they're an eight-win team, really. If you if you had to ask me what my 
win total would be for them. I would put it at eight, and that's why Vegas put it at eight because that's probably where they'll end up. So you got they want the action one way or the other. But if I had to pick over or under, I guess I would side with the over. I don't feel confident in that, but I guess I would slide that way. All right, now let's move on to Knoxville, a little north of Athens, and uh, the Tennessee Volunteers. Their number is listed at seven and a half. So are you going over or under seven and a half for the Volunteers? This is a team that's losing just about every playmaker they had offensively, whether it's a quarterback with Josh Dobbs and both running backs and Alvin Kamara and Jalen Hurd. Uh, also losing your top receiving option and Josh Malone. Losing a lot offensively. And then defensively, there's a lot of personnel lost there too. You got Derek Barnett, who was their all-everything defensive end there. You're losing your best linebacker in Jalen Reeves-Maben. You're losing your best corner in Cam Sutton. So you're losing your best player at all three levels of your defense. Now, there are some guys uh, that will be back. Their defense took a hit last year. They looked really bad late in the season. There were a lot of injuries. Uh, and they have recruited fairly well under Butch Jones the past couple years. Uh, but, look, there's a lot of losses on both sides of the ball. It's key losses on both sides of the ball. And every team experiences losses. But I have a hard time imagining it's going to be easy for Tennessee to overcome some of those key losses they have uh, offensively and defensively? I think I'm going to go over right at eight. See, yeah, that's – I think that's where I'm going to come in with Tennessee I as think, well. I think the, to me the biggest thing at Tennessee comes down to Georgia Tech. While they have all season, all offseason prepared, it, it's still it's still the triple option. So what, what would you list Tech as? Is that a, is that a toss-up for you? I think that's the toss-up. I think that comes down to the seven or eight wins for me. Interesting. The difference in seven or eight for them. You could be very right there. I'm. I have actually looking at my list for Tennessee. I've got Tech listed as a likely win, and my reasoning for that is, if you look historically at Tech under Paul Johnson, when and there are there are circumstances where it's not the case, but in most cases, when teams have an extended period of time to prepare for that triple option, even if you're not used to playing it. If you're playing in a bowl game setting, uh, or if you're playing at the beginning of the year like this, or if you're uh, you have a bye week before you play them, typically teams are better prepared to play them with that extra time because you have time to focus on that more so than you would if you just have one week prepared. It's very tough to prepare for that offense, especially if you're not used to playing them year in year out like an SEC or an ACC opponent would be, or like us. It's very tough to prepare for that in one week in terms of knowing, reading your keys, and then even more so than that, learning how to play off those blocks. It's very difficult, but when you have the entire offseason to get ready for that, I think it puts Tennessee in a better position. And Tennessee is more talented than Tech, right? Would you agree with that? Yeah. I think they're more talented. So given that full offseason, I'm going to give Tennessee the edge there and put that as a likely win. Not a gimme win, but a likely win. But well, That's um, why I have them at eight wins. I think they beat them. But other than that, I see them losing to. Uh... What, the, Florida, what? what would you give them as definite losses? Uh, I think Florida. A definite loss? I, I think. I mean, you could say it's a toss-up, but I, I, I put the chances on for Florida more. I think it's – they finally – yeah, Tennessee got over the bump last year. I think that's going to be in the back of Florida's mind. And it's, a, you know, just a home game for them. Yeah, I mean, I, I could see that being – I could see that. I, I, I think right now if I had to pick, I think Florida would beat Tennessee. I do. But I also think Tennessee has at least a fair chance to beat them. The definite losses, without a doubt, I'll say is Alabama. I, that's what I, that's the one I have list. I think there's no way they beat Alabama, I, barring some epic upset. I don't see them beating Alabama. I could be wrong. And even though it's a home game, I'd be shocked if they beat LSU. It doesn't matter where they play Bama. I mean, Jesus Christ, it doesn't matter. Alabama's gonna beat the hell out of them. I just, what I'm saying, LSU. I think even though it's a home game for Tennessee, I still I'd be shocked if they were to beat. LSU. Yeah, you know, I I went back and forth on that. When I was first looking at their schedule, I had LSU listed as a definite loss because I just think LSU is better than them. But the fact that it's in Knoxville, which can be a pretty rough environment, and I imagine it probably would be there's a good chance to be a night game against LSU, and it could be. Uh, I have that as a toss. I moved it to to the toss up category. For me, they're gimme wins. I mean, Indiana State, UMass, Southern Miss. Those are three wins, right? Right off the bat. And then I have Tech, South Carolina, because they have South Carolina coming off a of bye week. Uh, then at Kentucky, they've beaten Kentucky 31 out of 32 years. And then Vanderbilt at home. I know they've lost to Vanderbilt two times in the last four years under Butch Jones, which is crazy. But they're better than Vanderbilt, and they should beat them, especially at home. So if you look at the gimme wins combined with the likely wins, I got. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven right there. That's seven right there. So that means they have to win one of the toss-up games for me. And they're going to do that. I mean, if you look at at yeah. Florida, 
us. And look, I, I mean, that game makes me nervous. Are you nervous about that game for us? Yeah. Oh, anytime we go up there, I mean, no matter how good or bad they are, it's 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 going to be a, a dog fight, man. It really is. So uh, yeah, got at Florida, us at home, at Missouri, and LSU. Those four tosses, they got to win one of those to get over eight. If I if we're right in our calculations on the gimme plus the likely wins. So yeah, I mean, I think this one's pretty. Fair. I think this one's pretty fair. I think they are an eight-win team, probably. I think eight wins is right about on the mark for Tennessee. So if seven and a half is the number. I'm going over. Uh, all right, South Carolina. Now this was one that once I looked into their schedule, I had a different take on it than what my initial reaction was. Just not looking at the number. Their number, according to CG Technology, is five and a half. That's the win total that they were listed with five and a half. Now I first looked at that for South Carolina. I said, Oh, they're going to go over. But when I started looking at the schedule, I was like, oh, Maybe not. I think. I think they're probably you know just looking at it on the surface. I like looking at their schedule, just thinking about what they had coming back. I thought, yeah, this is probably a fringe bowl team, probably around a six, maybe a seven win team. But when you look at their schedule, I don't know if I can go with over. I mean, look at South Carolina's schedule. What are the gimme wins on that schedule? You've got Louisiana Tech and Wofford. Yeah, that's it. Louisiana Tech, Wofford. I would say, yeah, those are games that South Carolina is going to win. And then if you want to add to that, likely wins on top of that, maybe Vanderbilt. Right? Yeah. Vanderbilt's taken some steps last year, but still, South Carolina has them at home. So I would say it's a, a game that South Carolina should win. So that's three wins right there if you add in gimme wins plus the likely wins. Now, likely losses for them, what would you categorize as likely losses for the Gamecocks? Uh, at A&M. Okay. At Tennessee. Yep. And at Georgia. What about Clemson at the end? Oh, yeah, close. Yeah, I was looking for the away games. Yeah, that's exactly what I have. I got at Tennessee, at AM. and Look, I don't know if AM is that much better than talent-wise, but the fact that it's at a and I'm going to – and I do think A&M is more talent than South Carolina. They have, they have recruited over the past four to five years. They've recruited much better than South Carolina has. Now, we'll have to see what a and does at quarterback. They've got a, a couple of highly rated options there, Nick Starkle and Kellen Mond. And who knows, maybe it'll be Jack Kubinak, a guy who's been there for a couple of years and been kind of a spot starter for them. But I think AM is just a better team. It's on the road. I'm going to go. I don't think South Carolina is ready to go into Texas AM and win a game right now. So I got that as a likely loss. I'm, I'm, I'm just, and I, know, I don't want to be a homer, but we absolutely should beat South Carolina. Absolutely should. I'm not saying we will for sure, but we absolutely should beat them unless something crazy happens. And then Clemson, they're not going to beat Clemson right now. I, maybe in a couple of years, I just don't see it right now. So that leaves us with toss ups in NC State, uh, which is a neutral side game in Charlotte. I don't know how neutral that is, but I'm calling it a neutral side game. At Missouri, Kentucky at home, Arkansas at home, and Florida at home. Would you disagree with any of those as being toss-ups? No. Yeah. I mean, you, at Missouri is one I consider. I, I, it's Missouri is not great, but it's on the road. So you're good with that being in the toss-up category? Yeah. All right. So that means we have them at three. So they're five and a half is their number. We got them at three wins with Louisiana Tech, Wofford, and Vanderbilt. Three games they should win. So if they've got five toss-up games with this odd number of toss-ups, it's, you got to le- decide what you lean more towards. Do you do lean more towards the idea that they're going to go two and three in those games, or they're going to go three and two in those five toss-up games? Which way would you lean? Uh, you got NC State neutral site at Missouri, Kentucky, Arkansas at home, and then Florida at home. I'd be shocked. I think more two out of three. Yeah, I lean more towards the under here. I really do. I think. They got a fair shot to be Kentucky at home, um, a, a fair shot to be Missouri on the road. I think Missouri's going to be much improved. They're the only team in the SEC that has uh, a 3,000-yard passer, a 1,000-yard rusher, and a 1,000-yard receiver returning this year. So they have some firepower off as they are trained defensively for the most of the part, for most of the season last year. But once Barry Odom took over play-calling duties defensively, took over that defense, which is where how he cut his teeth before becoming head coach, they got much better. So I imagine Missouri taking a step forward defensively. So yeah, I I'm, I think NC State's gonna be a pretty damn good team this year. Uh, they got Ryan Finley coming back at quarterback was a graduate, well, kind of a rare second year graduate transfer quarterback. Yeah, I'm gonna go under here. I'm gonna go five wins for South Carolina. I don't think they can get to three of those five. I don't think they can get three out of those five toss up games. I don't. I just I'm sorry, just don't. So I'm going under for South Carolina. I got them at five wins. All right. Um. Couple quick ones here. 
Actually, let's finish out the SEC East real quick, and then we'll touch on some other big ones. Uh, Missouri, their number is at six and a half. Are you going over under Missouri? Let's go to that one real quick. Um, Missouri, I'm going to probably get a go under. Yeah, I got them at six. Is that about where you have them? Yeah, I think Missouri's going to be an improved football team this year. I, it's, it's another team kind of like South Carolina looking at the six and a half number. I was like, ooh, I think they might go over that. But when you look at the schedule, I don't know where you're going to get all those wins. Uh, you got a couple of gimme games, Missouri State, Idaho. I think they likely beat Purdue at home and UConn at home. That's four wins right there. They should lose to Auburn, uh, lose at Georgia, lose to Florida probably. Leave some toss-ups. So South Carolina at home, at Kentucky, Tennessee at home, at Arkansas, at Vanderbilt. Kind of the same situation with South Carolina. Are they more likely to go 3-2 and two or 2-3 two and three in those five toss-up games? I would lean towards the under there and say they're more likely to go 2-3. and three. Maybe beating uh, Kentucky on the road. Maybe at Vandy. Um, so, But that, that would leave them at six. I don't see them beating Arkansas on the road. I don't see them beating Tennessee. And I don't know if I see them beating South Carolina. So I'm going to go under for, for Missouri at six. Getting back to a bowl game, though. Respectable for them. And then Kentucky, who finally got to a bowl game last year under Mike Stoops, their number was listed at six. So you're going over or under Kentucky at under, six. I think, you know, last year they surprised a few teams, and at the same time it was more the fact that they had a double tandem at the running back where they won't have that as much this year. Um, you know, it was one of those where kind of like what Georgia sees, you know, you never have a guy that's truly tired, but that's not going to be the case next year. Yeah, I – I think they take a step back. I, I don't think they make a bowl game this year. I mean, they got a they got three easy gimme games at Southern Miss, Eastern Kentucky, and Eastern Michigan at home. But outside of that, you look at their SEC schedule. I mean, what other likely wins do they have on that schedule? You, you could say at Vanderbilt, maybe, right? But outside of that, they're either losses or tosses. I think they're, they're going to lose to Florida. I mean, they haven't beaten Florida in 30 tries. Uh, probably going to lose to Tennessee, I would imagine. Even though Tennessee's probably going to be a little bit down this year, I still think Tennessee's probably going to beat them. They have more talent than Kentucky does still. Uh, hopefully they're going to lose to us. They should lose to us in Athens. And I think Ole Miss. I know Ole Miss has got some controversy swirling around there, but Ole Miss is more talent than Kentucky. There's no way that Kentucky right now should be able to match the talent that Ole Miss has. Especially when you got Shea Patterson, who I think is going to, a Johnny Menzel clone, who's going to be perfect for what Hugh Freeze wants to do. they got great receivers over there, A.J. Brown. Van Jefferson, some really good receivers. They're going to score points on Ole Miss. So defensively, they might have trouble stopping teams, but Ole Miss is going to outscore Kentucky. Uh, then toss-up games at South Carolina, at Mississippi State, Missouri at home, and then Louisville at home. I have them right at six wins because you look at you our gimme wins plus likely wins. That's four wins there. And then if you have four toss-ups, you split the difference there. That's right at six. But we can't go right at six. We're going to go over or under. So I have them right at six, but I think they're more likely to go three and one as opposed to – I think they're more likely to go one and three as opposed to three and one in those toss-up games. And the idea they're going to be Louisville, uh, they're going to win at South Carolina and at Mississippi State, all three of those games. I don't know about that, so I'm going to go under on Kentucky. Uh, all right, so that's the East. Real quick, let's uh, let's go with Alabama. They're they were listed at ten and a half. Ten and a half was the number. So are you going over or under ten and a half for Bama? Yeah, I think for me, um, really, I think it really comes down to the Florida State game. Yep, that's what I, I don't have. I mean, look, it's Alabama. So there's no definite losses on their schedule, of course. I think Florida State's the toss-up game. Now, that doesn't mean they, that one of the other teams in the West can't jump up and possibly bite Alabama. Maybe it could happen. But they're just so far ahead of everyone talent-wise that it shouldn't happen. They should win all those other games outside of that Florida State. I think Florida State beats them to open the season. What do you think? It's tough, man. It's tough. They have a lot of players defensively that they're going to have to get ready. They, but I mean, who Florida State or Alabama? Alabama. They do. But those, most of those guys have gotten a lot of playing time. I mean, yeah, but the, the loss of Ruben Foster is going to be the real key. Yeah, but Mac Wilson. I mean, he hasn't played a ton, but Mac Wilson is the real deal. He's the truth at inside linebacker. He's a guy I wish we could have gotten here, but we didn't. Down the end of that. 2016 recruiting stretch. Yeah, uh, but they they got plenty of guys. Deron Payne up front. You got Deshaun Hang to step into a more prominent role this year. I don't think they have that dominant pass rusher that they had the past couple years with Tim Williams and Ryan Anderson, those kind of guys. So it'll be interesting to see how they get pressure on the quarterback because that was a key to a lot of their defensive, their defensive success over the past couple years, being able to get pressure on the quarterback without having to manufacture it with blitzing. 
So I don't know how they're going to do that this year unless a guy emerges. We'll see if somebody does emerge. But right now, I think that's a definite question mark for them. I think Florida State gets them in the first game of the season. I, I, I'm not super confident in that. But DeAndre Francois is going to—he's got his—he's coming into his second year. He's got a full season under his belt. The guy's a tough, talented quarterback. Uh, they have some. Look, you, I know you lose. You lose Dalvin Cook at running back, but Cam Akers is going. He's also going to be the real deal. He's going to get plenty of playing time in that game. Jockes Patrick's a good enough running back. They've got weapons out wide. Defensively, they've got some beast rushing the passer in Josh Sweat and Brian Burns, two guys that we were heavily in it for in their recruitments, but just ended up ended up losing out in the end to Florida State. So I'm gonna go. They probably lose the game, but 11 wins. Uh, and let's just wrap it up with this one. Let's go outside the SEC into the ACC. Our traditional rival. The Georgia Tech Yellow Jackets, they are listed at 6.5 for their win total number. So are you going over or under 6.5 wins for Tech? Um, I'll go over, probably 7. Yeah, I think 7 is a fair number. I mean, look, give me wins. I got Jacksonville State and UCF. Those are games they absolutely should win. Well, UCF did make it to a bowl last year under first-year head coach Scott Frost coming up from Oregon. Then likely wins. They should beat Wake at home. They should beat Virginia on the road. Virginia's terrible. I know Duke's improving under David Cutcliffe. I think Tech should probably win that game on the road at Duke. So that's five wins right there. I think they definitely lose to. I do, and I know you're you seen it as a toss-up game. I think they definitely lose to Tennessee. Uh, I think they definitely lose to Clemson. At, even though it's at home, they're going to lose to Clemson, and we're going to beat them. Sorry, guys. We're going to. Is that Clemson? This is that Clemson? Yeah. Are you sure? Tech? Let me see this. I could, I'm probably wrong. At Clemson. Tech, Tech, Tech. Georgia Tech. Oh, you're right. All right, so it's at Clemson. You're right. I'm wrong. I'm an idiot. So either way, they're going to lose that game. But they lose, this with toss-ups. they lose Tech with toss-ups. Pitt at home, UNC at home, at Miami, and Virginia Tech. So if we go with our rule of thumb here, we're toss-ups. Splitting the difference. That's four toss-up games. Let's say they win two of them. Add that to the five wins with Jacksonville State, UCF, Wake, at Virginia, at Duke. That's seven right there. So I think seven's a fair number for Tech. I'll give them the over. I don't want to give them any benefit of the doubt, but we'll give them that. All right, guys. So uh, thank you, as always, for listening to the show. Again, apologize for not having it up on Tuesday like we normally do here in the offseason. But the NCAA Tennis Tournament kind of threw us off our schedule a little bit. So thanks for tuning in on a Wednesday or Thursday. So listen to us on Thursday. And we'll be back on Friday this week with the second show of the week. So check back with us on Friday, and the next week we should be back onto our normal schedule. I do also want to throw it out to you guys real quick. Next week I'm going to be on vacation, so we're going to be recording our uh, listener mailbag shows this weekend because it is the end of the month. That's when we do our listener mailbag shows. So start sending in those questions you have on Twitter, at Glory underscore UGA. You can email us, podcast at gmail.com. We've already gotten a, a couple good questions. So send those in, guys. Anything, football, basketball, baseball, recruiting, tennis, whatever it might be. Send us questions uh, that you guys want us to talk about, and we'll definitely uh, do our best to get to them. So for Curtis, I'm Tyler. Thank you, guys. And as always, go dogs. <laughs>